What's up? What's up, Set Apart fam? I'm your host, Jamie Lynn Wellnow, and today we're talking about Way of the Violent. It's a new book by my friend Parker Green. He is a husband, father, and leader in Orange County, California. He's passionate about seeing people walk in a full life of salvation and discipleship. He and his wife, Jessie, what's up, girl, are the co-founders of Salt Churches. Both are passionate about reaching people that don't know Jesus, making disciples, and planting micro churches. Here's the thing. This bro and his wifey are living the gospel. He wrote a book called Way of the Violent. He self-published it. It's on Amazon. We're going to talk about it, but let me tell you, talk about Leonidas or like Braveheart on the frontline warriors. This is for you. This is for me. And ladies, this is for your men out there. Can I get an amen? Anyways, love y'all. Hope you enjoy. If you find value, leave a written review, subscribe, share this with your friends and let them know Way of the Violent is available today. What's up, fam? <laughs> we totally caught that. What's up, fam? Perfect. I'm here. Well, I am closer to Parker's wife, Jessie. Um, y'all might have seen her on my Instagram a little Which bit. Which is an appropriate relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Parker is the author of The Hour. Man, I love what you're doing, Parker. And I want you guys to meet him because... Um, For those of you on YouTube, you may be seeing this. And for those of you listening in on the podcast, I'm really pumped about you guys hearing from him because this dude is like a warrior and he has released a book called Way of the Violent. And first of all, the cover in itself is epic. I'm an artist, so I love the intentionality of everything. Which I do. Yeah, yeah, I want you to share about the cover in a second and why you chose to do this because it's quite epic. And then also... um, Right now, guys, like when you read this book, because we're going to talk about this book a little bit and then whatever Parker wants to share with you guys. um, It sounds like a Leonidas from 300 or Mel Gibson in Braveheart is like calling all troops to the front lines. (laughs) So I just think it's so epic (laughs) and I'm really grateful for you. So thank you for writing this and thank you for being on here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Okay, so let's dive in. How about you tell the homies that are tuning in, what you're currently doing in life in the kingdom. Oh, wow. Um, A lot. Um, And it's kind of come upon us more than we've come upon it. I guess we've done some stuff in in the dark, as ministry people like to say. Um, If you're buried, you're just planted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was like, no, sometimes you're just buried. (laughs) You need to figure it out. Um, But um, I think... uh, just to give a quick synopsis, we were in New York City uh, for four years, uh, fasted and prayed at the beginning of two, well, I was there for four years. My wife, Jessie, is a New York native um, and running a campus out there. And we prayed and fasted at the beginning of 2016 uh, for 21 days. And about day 10, that's when you really stop caring what people think about you because your body is like actually literally starving. <laughs> so you're like, I can do anything, God. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so God wouldn't leave me alone about California. Jess had gone on a trip uh, to Georgia to speak out there. And when she got back, she said, has God talked to you about California while I've been gone? And I'd lost like 15 pounds while she was away. Um, and was just so stinky. I don't know if anyone out there has ever fasted, but like I smelled so bad. <laughs> like we were, we were like, I smelled sour. Like I was just rotting. And like we had to sh- change our sheets every two days. Um, but God would just not leave us alone about, um, about California. So 
we um, were, you know, approaching discipleship in a brand new way, trying to figure out how to, well, new for us, and trying to figure out what's the best way to make disciples. Um, and we believe in our um, environment, in our current environment right now, which we'll get to as part of the book, um, is uh, in a family environment. It, it is a place where you learn all your good things and all your bad things, good habits, bad habits, um, whether you know it or not, subconsciously and consciously, family is really where life trans transformation takes place. So um, we came out here to start micro churches, which are churches and homes that continually multiply. Um, right now, um, we have 10 churches, um, which has kind of exploded, I think, in part because of Saturate OC, which is kind of like my wife's baby. Um, and I'm like a logistic planning marshalling troops, making connections, trying to make teams work type situation. Um, and Jess is very much a visionary and a goer. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I got some teacher in there too, to um, keep keep the charismatics um, in line. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, I think the reality uh, for us was we thought we were going to have a worship night um, where we equip maybe two, 300 people um, maybe Jess's dreams were bigger, but in my head, I was like, like with our reach right now, maybe two, 300 people that are going to show up, we're going to equip them to reach the lost. Um, luckily, our um, great emperor, Gavin Newsom, shut down the beaches um, the day before we were going to launch because um, all the buildings were closed. He shut down beaches and um, also um, said you can't sing in church. So having a worship event is good for striking an iron like that. It I just totally forgot. I totally yeah, the forgot about that. We started. Wow. So it went from the first week, three or 400 people to ending up growing um, over an eight week period to seeing thousands of people um, getting misdemeanors on the beach for um, unlawful assembly, um, which is, I've, you know, God's really provided for all that. So it'll be fine. But um, it's not like real persecution. It's just like someone trying to make a point. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, from that, we saw our churches start to grow and explode and move into households. And um, just the name of salt and what we're doing had been underground for four or five years. And now we're starting to see discipleship really take hold, multiply um, and work. It's just working. Um, yeah. It's almost as if you follow a biblical model for church um, and just stick with it. Wow. The <laughs> word of God works. Work. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself above Paul the apostle and how he actually decided to plant churches. So new places, new people, new bodies of believers, um, that we make no differentiation between someone that's a part of a member of our church and a disciple. So if you're a part of salt, you're in discipleship and you're a disciple maker It's for everybody. So I love it. That's kind of a really broad brush of what we're doing. Um, Jess is releasing a book soon. Um, you know that um, mm -hmm. I put this out, this book out in February and had been working on it in the dark in that period of like identity crisis and difficulty and not knowing how to provide for my family. And it kind of was my, I would sit and write in the middle of the night because we had two babies. One was a surprise. They're Irish twins a year apart. So <laughs> when I started writing this one was a baby and one was a year old. Wow. Um, and they're five and four now. Um, 
and really just struggling with who I was as a man, what I'm supposed to do with this movement. God, why'd you call us out here? There were nights where at Salt Churches, two people came um, to our gatherings. Um, I'd watch Marty Stauffer's Wild America and uh, as background noise, which is like comforting to me because I watched it as a child and crank away at this book. So I've never, I've never heard of that. It's a really old show, like bad, like like 1980s PBS, like wildlife footage. But Marty, but Marty Stauffer's voice is very comforting. It's a very fatherly <laughs> voice. As an artist, I would put Bob Ross on in the background while I wrote. Yeah. This <laughs> about creativity. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was my vibe. That was my spot. So. That's awesome. Okay, so then let me ask. This is this to me looks like a crown of a crown. Yeah. And I I mean but then it's snakes. So what, what's the meaning? Cause somebody could look at this and be like, what? But I look at, it, I'm like, cause I know, know of you, you know, yeah. I know your family DNA. I'm like, this is epic. So why yeah. the crown of snakes? Um, I think, I think for me, the biggest uh, central reason for the, the crown of snakes was um, what really the devil tried to pin on Jesus and try and destroy him with, it actually ended up crowning him um, as king. So it was like one of the coolest things is like this design came up really organically. Um, so my design guy was like, so how like evangelical do you want this to be? I was like, probably not at all. I'm self-publishing. We can do what we want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the target audience really is, for us as men, which is a really interesting audience. Yeah. Um, so, cause they buy like 10%, maybe 20% of Christian books, period. Um, so for me, I was looking at it going, you know, whatever the enemy tries to do, um, in scripture, it says the Lord raises up a banner, right? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard, which means he rate essentially he's raising his flag and they would use that as battlefield communication in the bronze age, iron age, etc because you can't just shout at people all day long it's too big um so really to me it was it was that picture of servant leadership that picture of tearing down the kingdoms of this world um and establishing the kingdom of heaven um you know over the top of religion tyranny materialism so yeah which i love that which I'm, i have a question about that in a second i loved one of the well i loved a lot of the the trinity of evil chapter was awesome so the violent take it by force chapter, I love how you break down how the violent take it by force and you're comparing it to your family. Like, yeah. can you share? Sure. Yeah, I remember that portion. Over that scripture so much, like the violent take the kingdom by force. And you're like, like so many of us can be so soft and feel like we're supposed to be just like undercover. I don't want to you know, like, like peacemakers and the violent taking by force are like warriors on the front line. It's not like a little yeah. princess sitting up in a tower, not doing anything. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things people are, and I'll get into that in a second, but one of the things people are very afraid of today is offending people because of the cancel culture, because of doxing, um, because of the ridiculous nature of the false town square of, of Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, it's like, this, these are not your people. Like, why do you care what they think? Like, they don't affect your life, but it's created this space where it can actually affect people's livelihoods in life. Wow. Um, so for me, um, that story um, came in the middle of the night 
And I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me on it. He said, you know, what would you do if someone took your boys? Um, and I'm like, well, I would do everything in my power to retrieve them. And it's funny when you have your first kid, and I don't think I could have written this book without having children, um, how immediately willing you are to die for somebody and also to kill for somebody, like without like, like with pleasure, if someone's hurting my child, because you can't separate love and wrath from, from each other. So for me, I'm, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I would do everything within my power. And really the story outlines what God is doing um, in a metaphorical way. What if you had unlimited resources to retrieve your sons and daughters? At, to what lengths would you go? And if you were the one that created emotion, that created passion, um, you know, God's favorite name in the Bible for himself is Lord of hosts, which is Lord of angel armies. It's used more than any other name in the Bible. What, at, at what length, what length would you, would you go to, to retrieve your children? Um, and, and that, that goes as far as selling your entire life to do so. So, so for me, way of the violent really meant retrieving what God has, God has placed on the earth, retrieving what is lost with all, with all violence. Yeah. Um, it, Christianity is a violent action taking, um, organized, um, war fighting, uh, religion. And I think for a lot of people, they've sat in pews for so long that they don't realize that. Um, but most places in most places in the world, um, it's a very aggressive, moving, living, breathing thing. So we're starting to see heartbeats of that now in the United States, which I'm really excited about. I am too. I'm like, whatever it takes, which is a very lethal prayer, whatever it takes to wake us up, God, thank you. And yeah. I just, I'm so grateful I'm alive right now and that I'm awake and alive right now, not yeah. just alive, but awake and alive. And I can't wait to see what happens. Okay. So then let's break this down. I really love the Trinity of evil because these three things are really, really important. And I know I, I'm not quite sure about your history as much as Jesse's um, when it comes to like religion, but right. I do know, I love how you broke down materialism, tyranny, and religion. And so I wanted to read this quote, if that's okay. That's great. Book that I like. <laughs> and it was, it was um, simply put, Jesus does not overturn the value systems of this world by only destroying them. He completely replaces them with the life-giving opposite. I feel like this summarizes your book really well too. In place of tyranny is freedom. In place of religion is relationship. And in place of materialistic consumerism is the concrete reality of the kingdom. Just yeah, that is a good light. quote. You're right about that. <laughs> it is. I feel like, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways you dissect this in your, all throughout your book that I really like, but would you speak into yeah. whichever, all three, one of those in particular that you think is more important to address right now in this time? I just, I sure. Um, well, I think they're all rooted. I mean, this is for another podcast, but I think they're rooted in postmodernism and critical theory, really. I think they're rooted in a false gospel and a false religious cult that's trying to not, over, not only take over the world, but take over the Western world and the church. Yeah. Um, that is what you need to come yeah. on the next America show and talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do it. Yeah, I could talk all day about that stuff, but yeah. um, it's really, it's really rot. Um, and it all it does is accuse, and all it does is tear things down. 
Um, but you're told at the same time um, that through this, uh, through this new religion that you can have peace, that you can have what you really want. You can have heaven on earth. So it really is, um, it's just the false version of what Jesus has to offer. So when I talk about materialism, um, what I'm really saying is that people believing that the things they can feel, smell, taste, and touch, um, ideas from the Enlightenment, um, that the only thing that exists is so-called science, which is now just a political um, stick, essentially. Um, the scientific method is not even approached anymore. Um, it's one of those things where if you really believe that, it shows in people's lives. It shows in how we accumulate and shows on that show hoarders on discovery or whatever. It shows in people's like how they collect things. And even more importantly, what I outline in the chapter is how materialism puts you in a position where you're collecting people as possessions. Um, and that's, that's really where materialistic churches end up destroying people's lives yeah, totally. <laughs> because you're, you have people and leaders collecting each other as materialistic objects instead of thinking of them as eternal beings that are going to, as Paul the Apostle says, judge angels. Um, we're going to judge spiritual beings that have been around far longer than we have. Yeah. So, so if we can begin to see people and the world from a spiritual context, which is what the Bible is written in, it's written in a hyper-spiritual context, um, it is not written in a materialistic context. Um, then we can actually start to get freedom from some of the accumulation that we have. We can have freedom in our relationships. And yeah. Jesus really replaces that with, um, with the philosophy of the kingdom and the ideas of the kingdom and the life of the kingdom, most importantly, yeah. um, that the Holy Spirit empowers. Um, when it comes to tyranny, I mean, <laughs> tyranny happens. We do it to ourselves. I do it to myself. Um, with like maybe the cleanliness of the house and then it spills over onto my wife and my children. Um, things like that, where you are expecting perfection from yourself. Um, and one of these things, I did a, a case study on like Hitler and why he did what he did with the Holocaust. Um, and it really wasn't rooted in a hatred for the Jews. Um, that's who it got taken out on. It was an obsession with cleanliness. Um, so what he saw as rot in society, he needed to clean and found people to help him do that. So really tyranny comes from, a, from an obsession of having things in a particular way, yeah. um, no matter what the outcome, the end always justifies the means, but the end is, end is never what they expect. So tyranny really um, is, is the devil's main, one of his main things that he does to, I'm trying to find the right word. It's the opposite of what God does in giving us free will and the ability to bend the knee to Christ. And he gives us everything. Whereas tyranny simply takes and grows and takes and grows. Everybody, anyone that's ever had an addiction knows that. Yeah. Um, and now uh, we have whole, a whole society addicted to uh, victim mentality, to um, wanting more than they deserve, um, to self-righteousness. There's, there's a huge uh, thread and everyone's a little tyrant now um, because everyone has a voice even though they haven't done the miles under their feet um, and haven't, haven't acted out on the things that they actually say they believe. Yeah. Um, they haven't lived in the society they want to create. 
um, when it comes to religion, I have a really special place in my heart for this because I essentially grew up in a Christian cult of about 10, 10 families where there was one leader, he was in charge. He told my mother to her face that she needed to know Jesus through him um, in front of my dad. My dad was like almost beat into this cult. He wasn't actually physically harmed, but what they would do with the men is circle them up and essentially tell them all their shortcomings. Um, so these are all the things that you're not like Christ in. Um, these are all the things where you're failing. These are all these, and they put you in a position where um, you just have no recourse. Um, so religion uh, is a twin brother of tyranny, like I say in the book. Um, they work hand in hand together. Yeah. You see it in the crucifixion of Jesus. It's like the, the whole religious establishment worked right alongside the Romans to put Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of the religious stuff comes down to money and control of people. So, um, God himself gives people the free will to choose Christ as much as predestination is also involved and God chooses us before the foundation of the world We're it's both. We're able to choose. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of what Jesus died for. So as soon as that freedom of individuality, that choice as an individual to follow Jesus and then join a community goes away, um, you start to see tyranny um, take place. And tyranny is the modus operandi of human beings. It's the way the world has been since the fall. So freedom is very rare and expensive and requires vigilance. Um, so Jesus, I believe, died for that. Yeah. The individual is important. It's the imago day. People are made in the image of God, so they're not to, they're not made to live under a tyrant. They're made to live under a benevolent father that knows what's best for them. Yeah, I love that. I think that's often a concept with religion, like you're saying too. Is I grew up in a. I thought the Holy Spirit was a Catholic thing growing up, but I grew up. Um, I grew up. Uh, sorry, something popped up on my screen. I grew up in a church where we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit or any of that, but people showed up and did the checklist of things and it wasn't relationship driven. You know, it was very religious and a, a perfectionist type thing, even though you're constantly failing. And the thing is, is that what, one of the things that I love that you, that you, how you bring it all together is Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm wanting you to give up. He does, but I'm wanting you to give up everything. Like just give up all this darkness and then you're void. He's literally yeah. doing it because there's no, there can be no mixture. Like you have to lay this down so I can give you what's like amazing and better doesn't even suit the reality of what no. I'm going to be giving you, you know? Right. Right. So I love that you, that you really hone in on, you know, you, at one point in the chapter two, you were talking about, you know, darkness and light and death and life and how darkness and death are void. Anyways, I don't know if you remember that and want to break that. Yeah, no, I remember I um, that. because, you know, it, the, the best way to tell a, a counterfeit is to hold the real thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how they train bank tellers. So I think for, for us, um, it's one of those things where evil is not an entity in and of itself. Evil is the opposite of, I wouldn't even say the opposite. It's the lack of the presence of the Lord. Yeah. It's a lack of the presence of God. It's, uh, it is a choice to choose nothingness. And that's what you're seeing in our society right now. It's like you can see the evil is a void by this nihilistic thought of life is meaningless. 
and why you're seeing teen suicide skyrocket, especially young men. So it, it really is um, not an equal and opposite as some people think in their brain. Like Jesus isn't like contending with the devil. Like it's not a competition, right? Right. There's no, he's just setting a trap. If, if you really think of it that way. And he consistently is super wily and consistently sets traps for the enemy. Because almost everything, if you think about it, if you're saved and listening to this podcast, almost everything that the, the enemy tried to use for evil, God turns for good when you're born again. Yeah. Um, even bad lifestyle choices, it ends up saving and reconciling more people, healing more families, turning more things around. So really evil is a, evil is a void and it's a choice to choose nothing over, over the only concrete reality, which is, um, which is God. Totally. That's so good. I totally accidentally lied. The darkness in life part was in the learning to die to yourself so you can live. (laughs) Which I do think this is so funny. I always think like if a non-believer came to church, like your friend bring, you bring your friend that doesn't know the Lord yet to church and we're singing about the blood of Jesus or like talking about dying to ourselves. Those two things in itself just are total spiritual concepts. Like, yeah, it's just so like you're dead. How can you be offended if you're dead or, you know what I mean? Extremely primal. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. But I would love, um, I would love, I think this is something, and in this podcast, the thing that we address time and time again, when you're living set apart, you can't really live set apart from the world unless you're dead to yourself. So would you speak a little bit into that aspect of being a believer today in society? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think um, for most of us, um, if you're going to do and say and behave like Jesus did um, and his closest followers, then we have to be prepared to be unpopular. I think, I think that's the big dog right now, especially among Gen Z and millennials, yeah. um, because we don't have very much physical capital. Um, we don't own as much as our parents and grandparents. So all of our capital is wound up in this weird social capital. Yeah. So for us, we have to be prepared to be outside the pale of what society says is good and right and choose what Jesus says is good and right. And we're going to have to continually choose more and more unless we win the war and actually turn the tide of culture. Um, More and more, we're going to see an intensity um, of hatred for Christians and what we believe and where yeah. we're headed. Yeah. Um, so we have to be ready to offend people in order to not offend Christ. And that's what dying to ourselves is going to look like practically. Cause a lot of people are like, think of it in a monkish way. Not that monks are bad, um, in their own right. They saved Christianity a lot of periods of history, but it's like they think it's this navel gazing, sit and look like at myself and say, what part of me needs to die, Lord? And it's like, no, it's like it's like responding to your husband or your wife when they ask you to do something in a rude way and you do it anyways. Or it's, it's being um, unpopular amongst your friends because you believe that men and women are men and women or that homosexual marriage is still wrong. Or that giving children sex ed at five and six and seven years old, as some of our California schools have done, is 
child abuse and that hormone treatment for children is child abuse and it needs yeah. to be said out loud or that abortion in and of itself is the greatest evil ever done um, besides maybe what Stalin and Mao pulled off, but it seems like we're coming up on their numbers pretty quick here. So taking those stands and taking those positions and you're seeing churches really fall apart right now because for 20 years, we weren't taking hard lines on what the Bible actually says. Um, and we've gathered in all these people that want to consume from us um, and not told them what we believe about gay marriage, about the Imago Dei, about man and woman are created from the beginning, about um, how we value children from the womb yeah. um, all the way until into adulthood. Because you can look at a society that's deteriorating by how they treat their children. It happened at the end of the Roman Empire. It happened at the end of the Greek Empire that they started really to mainstream the abuse and neglect and abandonment of children. And that's one of the reasons Christianity blew up is because Christian mothers and fathers were taking abandoned children. There was a place where they'd be set in almost every Roman city. They'd take them into their house and raise them, yeah. especially girls. Um, and then these girls grew up Christian and then all the pagan men didn't have anybody to marry but Christians. <laughs> so, so you see this whole cultural revolution from value I've never heard this. Life. I've never heard so this. It works. It, I mean, it works practically. So yeah. dying to yourself really looks like being unpopular for a while yeah. and letting your great, great grandchildren, if Jesus doesn't come back, be, be the decision makers in a, in a new society. I love that. I think that's something that's really pivotal too, is we're such a right now generation, but what we, what we need to be reminded of in this hour is our actions determine America tomorrow. Our actions right now determine America and you know centuries from now this is about our bloodline and what we're yeah. this is the inheritance we're actually building for our children yep. like money is great to be able to pass down for people to circulate great but it's just a tool really what we need our families to inherit is the kingdom on earth yep. Absolutely. and so this is such a powerful point that you're making about just the importance of like I, I mean my goodness I haven't been persecuted and accused with the wrath of Satan as much as I have this year, but it's so cool because of the response in, in a more mature fashion in Christianity that I'm receiving, because it's nothing compared to what Jesus yeah. received and it's nothing yeah. compared to what's coming, but that's what happens when you stand for righteousness. It's what happened to Jesus because he is righteousness when he walked the earth, even in the church. So yeah. I think that's what I love about this book too. It's so warrior-like and you know, I, I keep telling people, you know, we're not getting to raise our kids the way we were raised. We're having to raise warriors right now. Like, yeah, that's what well, we're raising. Yeah, I think one of the, the enemy's biggest mistakes, and he always makes this mistake, is hubris. It's, it's overweening pride. Um, and in the United States, he's been happy to be under the surface for a while. Um, but now he's chosen open battle. So we know our enemy. You know what yeah. I mean? My yeah. dad went to Vietnam. He said one of the biggest problems was you couldn't see who you're fighting but anytime that the regular Vietnamese army or the Viet Cong engaged U.S. forces in open they just got obliterated so like the Tet Offensive they just got destroyed so now what we have is a clear sight on our enemy and a lot of people are being deceived but it helps us see very clearly 
the type of children we need to raise, the type of people we need to be, how important spiritual disciplines are, how important yeah. it is to live by the spirit day by day, and to really truly live with violence. It's a violent overthrow of, of a negative dark kingdom. And we have to see it that way. We have to see it in war terms. We're, we're the revolution now because all these people that think they're the revolution are just mainstream. Yeah, totally. So, My book is called Holy Revolution. I'm like, yeah. Perfect timing. <laughs> I just, I just, I gen, I just really believe in this message so much and it's coming in so many different ways. And for people who are listening in, just remember your, your way, like way of the violent, your unique tool belt your new unique gifting just like i love avengers movies like they're all differently gifted and right now it's going to require all of us to take out thanos it's going to require all of us together to do this and so yeah. we need you to wake up we need you to understand what it means to be violent in the kingdom on earth and we need you to know what it means to be in the revolution and so i love this i love all the sounds coming out okay so to close it out what would you say are some of the most profound solutions that you want to encourage people with that are tuning in today. Like today they can walk away. Even if you're repeating something you've said, what's a really profound solution that's yeah. been here right now? There's a, there's a lot of branches that come off this tree, um, but um, <laughs> that, that you can dig into yourself for sake of time. But I think really the answer to life's biggest question and to our personal purpose and to what I write about in this book and the overthrow of, of the satanic and the overthrow of evil in this world around us is, is loving, diligent, sacrificial fathers. I, I, don't, I don't see another way at this point. Um, wow. And obviously parenthood comes into that in general um, and a, no slight to single mothers. I mean, my, my wife was the daughter of a single mother for a quite, quite a long time until her stepdad came along. Um, but for me, when I look at just the blatant statistics of fatherlessness, it's like, well, you're seeing things replace fatherhood. You're seeing government replace it. You're seeing critical theory replace it. You're seeing that's the root of the issue. Men and women, or I should say boys and girls, um, as well. Well, men and women and boys and girls are looking for a loving father that puts them, gives them boundaries and a safe place to live. Um, and there's a saying in our family, it's kind of a family motto, the safest place is in the kingdom. No matter what we do or where we go or how we live, um, if we have to die for this, that's something. Um, but the safest place is always in the kingdom. You can put your hands in the purse, in the hands of a person that's completely defeated death. So I think the answer is whatever you're doing and whatever space you're in right now, um, father it and mother it. Um, that's where the kingdom really started. It's where Eden started. God's whole plan was family. Um, so in church, um, in your body, I should say, whatever that looks like for you right now of believers and in your cellular family as well, um, read the great stories to your kids. Um, not just the Bible, but I mean, nail them with the Bible. It should be 80% of their diet, but are you reading great old stories? Um, are we reading, you know, Aesop's fables? Are we reading the Iliad? Are we teaching our kids the great stories that teach them something that's greater 
um, than what they see around them. What's the thread? What's the narrative we're giving our kids? Um, spiritual children as well as um, our, our, you know, our own offspring. It's like we have to father them. We have to give them a space where it is different than the world. And we have to rule and reign in our, in our little dominions all over the place. It's money, it's finances, it's self-sufficiency. It's a million different things that branch off that tree. Yeah. Um, but I think the greatest call of this generation, I think the heroes will be fathers that stay in their ground. I love that. That's really powerful and um, a rare response. Which is good <laughs> because the narrow is the path. And I'm, I'm really believing more and more with what we're seeing in the body of Christ, even just in the world that you know, the narrow path is even within the church. And so I think the messages like that, that are, you know, more narrow yeah. driven, uh, tend to be some of the most fiery. Important yeah. ones, so I mean, the number one thing about being a dad is that you get no credit for all the raising that you do. I think that's the number one, like stamp of a father. It's like, if my son, like is some war hero in the future, I'm not even if I instilled in him all the values of, of that kind of person, it's like your children, like you, you owe them, you owe raising them, you brought them into this world. So um, it's a giving away of your life until you, you're not breathing anymore. So. I love that. I think one of the things too, is when we can understand, like through what you're saying, people will not affirm always some, some will what heaven is celebrating like heaven is celebrating you being a dad seeing like wow like god put them in your life and we've been cheering you on because we knew you were the one that had eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to understand what was in your kids to raise them yeah. to release heaven on earth and like that that's the hug that you get when you get to heaven that's even them celebrating you now and so i think when we can learn to live underneath that authority and that encouragement it's oh, yeah. a game changer because people, people, people don't always give the applause and we can't live by that yeah. ever. So I think it's that's the little decisions. Yeah. Little things. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, um, before I, I would like you to pray, um, uh, if you have any encouraging words for people, you can share it too. I would like you to pray, but before that, where can people find your book? <laughs> they can find it on Amazon. Amazon.com, just look up Way of the Violent. It's actually doing really well. I'm really excited about it, um, especially for a self-published book. It's um, um, getting lots of good reports back of people bringing it into groups, doing Bible studies with it, and um, fraternities um, on Christian campuses using it as a, as a guide. So Come it's on. been really fun watching it kind of get seated out there. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon.com, um, Way of the Violent. And um, just ignore the weird um, romance novels that are advertised usually right above it. So. That's hilarious. I just <laughs> think you, ladies, buy this on Amazon for your friends, for your husband, for your boyfriend, for your dad. Yeah, I bought enjoy this. it. You may yeah. not go out and buy it because my, like, who's Parker Green, but they'll enjoy the book. So. Well, here's the thing. I bought this for my husband and I read it. So, I read it before he has. So I just want to say I even enjoyed it. I sometimes like to read books that are written for dudes, though, in the capacity to understand whatever. So yeah. I can increase my capacity to understand that. But anyways, 
Um, awesome. And then people can follow you on Instagram at the way of the violent. Yep. Or is it? Yeah, I think it's way just the way of the violent. Yeah. Don't don't put the V in front of it, y'all. It's just way of the violent. And I'll tag you in yeah. my Instagram post for those who are following. But go buy this book, guys. Go support him and what they're doing. They're literally living the gospel. Y'all came from a crazy past. And I want to say this. This is what I would say. I love, okay, I love Jesse. I think she's rough around the edges, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Like, she's not afraid to yeah. take on the religious spirit. But Absolutely. she came from a crazy past, and you guys are living the Great Commission. You are living the Word of God, and I'm so grateful for you. So if you want to be discipled by Jesse and Parker, and you also want to become a discipler, because that's the Great Commission, you can go to saturateoc.com or saltchurcheseitherone.com. <laughs> Boom. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. I okay. got all about it. Great. Yeah. So will you pray for us and then we'll close on out. Awesome. So Father, I just thank you uh, that this podcast will go far and wide and encourage people um, to take up the way of the violent, to realize and know the season that they live in and that they would pursue you uh, with everything in them, their emotion, their will, their mind, their heart, um, just that so they could know you completely, um, that that would be the goal of their life, to know you completely and to obey you, Lord. So Jesus, we just thank you that um, your Holy Spirit is quickening the hearts of men and women listening to this right now in order to read your word, to be with you, and to make disciples and reach the nations that are just around them, that are in their sphere. And I especially right now just pray for dads, um, both spiritually, physically. I pray for them right now, and I pray that you would strengthen them in this time to hold fast against the tide of the age, and that they would know that help is on the way. The help is always, always, always on the way. Um, and specifically for um, those of you that feel like you're in the fight right now, um, uh, that are having thoughts um, of maybe suicide or thoughts of depression. Um, I just I just break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. And I just pray right now that you would take up this cause of Jesus Christ and depression would be an afterthought. And you'd be able to show other people clearly how to defeat this enemy. Um, if there's any chemical imbalance, which is just a made up term because no one understands how the brain actually works. I just, I thank you that people's bodies and hormones would be in line in Jesus name. I just command their bodies to be in line in the name of Jesus. Um, that, and that they would find community, yeah. um, community with a passion to serve you, Jesus, not just a group of people hanging out, but a group of people that are taking ground for your kingdom, because that's where real life is in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank your you. time. I appreciate the invite. State. It really means a lot. Yeah, anytime. My goodness. I need to yeah. have you on the next America. I that invitation's coming very soon. Um, okay, so cool. if you guys found value in this podcast, go subscribe, leave a written review, go follow Parker Green. But most importantly, go buy Way of the Violent on Amazon.com. Do it. Ship it to somebody as a gift anonymously. Ship it to yourself. Ladies, you can read this book. <laughs> I was encouraged. Because I'm a warrior and I like reading warrior-like stuff. So bless you. Have a great day. And we'll catch you next week on Set Apart with Jamie Lynn Walno.